Attention, people of Earth. Do not resist us. All who oppose us shall be annihilated. We command the most powerful army of monsters in the universe. They are sure to defeat your Earth monsters. All those who are hearing this are now under the control of the Earth Destruction Directive. 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 Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Earth Destruction Directive. I am, as always, your host, Luke Giaconetti, the man with entirely too many Daikaiju movies and toys and other sundry items in his collection, and the man who was once quoted as an expert source of Godzilla knowledge in an academic paper, and that's a true story. Uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the last episode where we talked about Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster, the first appearance of Mechagodzilla. And judging from some feedback I've gotten, I think everybody did enjoy that. Uh, Mechagodzilla remains a very popular foe of the King of Monsters. Uh, we're going in a little bit different direction this time. We're going to be taking a look at IDW's Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters um, comic book series, which is currently ongoing from IDW Publishing. Uh, so we are going to get right into that. The King of Monsters return to the uh, four-color printed page right after this quick message. Hey, kids, comic! Hey, Michael! Yes? We have to record a promo for our podcast. I've got one. Read our podcast. Read our podcast. You do know this is an audio medium. Watch our podcast. Well, you can watch podcasts, but not ours, because let's face it, we've got faces for radio. Uh, no, wait, I've got it. Give me a second, right? What? Just listen to our podcast. Listen to our podcast. Snap it. It's short, sweet. I'm liking it. It's good. It's great. Not exactly telling people what our podcast is about, though, is it? We read comics. We read comics. That's true. That's good. Liking it. Liking this pitch. Carry on. Right. We talk about comics. We do. We talk about comics. We read comics. And then we talk about them. Because we can't talk about them before we read them. Excellent. Keep going. And then... We sing! Badly! Yes. Well, badly is purely subjective. But how many other comic book podcasts do you know where people sing? Hey, kids, comics! Every Thursday at aplayland.podomatic.com. Okay, we're back here on Earth Destruction Directive. Today we are going to be talking about IDW Publishing Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters comic book series. Uh, we're going to be looking at the first six issues, which are, as of this recording, all that have been released. Uh, the writers on this book are uh, Eric Powell and Tracy Marsh. Uh, probably best known for their work on The Goon, uh, another series uh, I have not read that uh, lots of people online tell me is amazing. The art... For the first four issues was done by Phil Hester, and for numbers five and six was done by Victor Santos. Now the covers, um, there was a painted cover by Alex Ross early on, but most of the covers are done by Matt Frank, with the alternate covers done by Zornow. And the the Frank covers are the standard covers, and the Zornow covers uh, usually depict a spotlight of one monster. Uh, they've done a different spotlight cover each time out, and uh, you know, so we've got a Godzilla cover, an Angurus cover, a Rodan cover, so forth, and so on. Now, our story opens in Japan, appropriately, where uh, two children are playing on the beach when suddenly out of the sand rises a giant Tyrannosaurus-looking monster who quickly goes on a rampage, uh, killing all sorts of people and causing all sorts of destruction. The Japanese government quickly scrambles 
a uh, wing of fighter jets to attack the monster, which seemed to have no effect whatsoever on it. Uh, then they make the rather bold decision, for the Japanese government especially, to drop a nuclear bomb on the dinosaur. Now, those of you who listened to our Godzilla 1985 episode might remember the three principles regarding nuclear weapons that the Japanese government has, but that's all out the window here, so... Uh, a nuke is dropped on the dinosaur, and much to their dismay, it is not only uh, not hurt by the bomb, it now breathes fire, and the newly dubbed Godzilla begins rampaging through Tokyo. Now, it's not just uh, the Pacific Rim that's in trouble, because in Mexico, uh, in the desert, arises a spiny four-legged beast, which is quickly dubbed Anguirus, and in Russia, a prehistoric... Um, egg, well, it, it, it's more like a uh, petrified egg. It looks more like a rock, but it's actually a petrified egg hatches, uh, revealing a pterodactyl creature of uh, some kind that quickly grows giant and is named Rodan. And they begin rampaging through their respective parts of the Earth, with uh, Anguirus heading north into the United States proper, and Rodan swooping all over Eastern Europe. In Western Europe, a large egg washes ashore in, uh, on the coast of France and is quickly put under guard. Everyone uh, who's reading it assumes that Mothra is going to hatch out of it, but two creepy French psychic girls show up and the egg hatches into Batra, of all things. And this continues on with monsters running with muck in various parts of the world until Godzilla makes his way to the United States, where inevitably he clashes very briefly with Anguirus. Uh, Godzilla gained the upper hand in that um, particular conflict, but Anguirus surviving as well. Meanwhile, behind all this, the U.S. government is being very ineffectual in their attempts to try and do something to stop the monster problem until they decide that they're going to open up uh, all of the closed auto plants in Detroit to build Mechagodzilla, who very quickly is built and brought online and very quickly is defeated by Godzilla and then turns rogue. And this is the point where I gave up on this story. Um, you know what, folks? I'm a, I'm a big Godzilla fan. I'm a big Daikaiju fan. I'm willing to let a lot of things go, you know, for the sake of having fun or this monster mash. This book, to say I'm disappointed with it, would be an understatement I don't think I could duplicate. It's... Let's, I don't want to try and focus on the negative, so let's talk about some positives. Phil Hester, who does the art for the first four issues, is fantastic. It is a much different type of look than we're used to with like Art Adams and uh, other Godzilla artists we've seen before, but it's dynamic, it's um, minimalist. I really like his look for the monsters. Even his people look pretty nice, too. Hester is kind of, kind of a quirky style, but I think he really fits the monsters, and I don't think there's any reason why monsters can't look quirky, in, in comic books, so I don't have a problem with that at all. There's a scene in the first issue with the aforementioned nuclear bomb uh, incident. I think that's probably the best word for it. The page is laid out in such a way that um, we see a panel of the bomber approaching Godzilla, and then the uh, it's juxtaposed against the mushroom cloud as they drop it, and it, it looks fantastic. I'm not big into original art, uh, but this would be a page that I would buy if, if I could find it at a good price because it really is just well composed. Godzilla looks great. The mushroom cloud uh, causing a silhouette 
with the King of the Monsters looks just fantastic. And again, in the narrative, it's really ridiculous that the Japanese government, the Japanese government, drops a nuclear bomb on this big dinosaur. But the artwork taken away from that context just looks great because the mushroom cloud, of course, uh, nuclear imagery is perfect for a Godzilla piece. So that alone just looks great. The covers are also out of this world. Both Frank and Zornow's covers are just beautiful, beautiful pieces of monster pinup art. Uh, the, the, the showcase covers look tremendous. There's a King Ghidorah cover that the King of Terror never looked better in, in, in print, as far as I'm concerned. Kuamunga gets a, a, a spotlight cover. He pops up ex- pretty much for a one-page appearance in number issue number six. I'm guessing he'll be... Uh, dealt with later on in the series, but the spotlight covers are great. The regular covers are great. There's some really uh, novel ones. The issue number six, which introduced the Mechagodzilla, had uh, Mechagodzilla's giant footprint that said "Made in Detroit" underneath it, which I thought was was fun and actually does relate to the story. But the story is the real problem here, unfortunately. Now, I understand kind of what Powell and Marsh are going for. The you know it's 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 a lot of believe it or not political satire that that makes up the majority of the narrative in this story, but the problem is it's not very good. It's extremely heavy-handed. It's extremely um, uh, you know kind of dumbed down. I mean, if, if it was a clever sort of satire, that might work. But but this is you know this 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 is this is like Daily Show level satire where it says let's make fun of things because things you know things are stupid. Furthermore, it's President Obama running the show, and they call him President Ogden, at least they do in the second issue, but it's clearly Obama. And before the series was released, they had said that Obama was a major character. So calling him Ogden is very clearly a case of re-lettering probably the second and third issues uh, because of the negative backlash of having Obama in a Godzilla comic. And they portray him as, oh, he's so embattled, and it's, Nothing is his fault, and he's trying everything, and he's the smartest one in the room, and no, just no. I'm just going to shut that down right now, because we all know what would happen if actual monsters landed in the United States during the Obama administration, and it ain't this. I can tell you that right now. So that is a personal preference and a personal prejudice, and I understand that, but it's still irritating as all heck to see Obama running around in a Godzilla comic, because that is that is so beyond what I want to see in a Godzilla comic book, it's not even funny. The other characters aren't much better. We get a group of idiot rednecks chasing Anguirus through Texas. We get the Texas governor claiming he's going to build a giant wall to keep illegals and monsters out of Texas, which actually that, that part i got to admit was kind of funny because Anguirus simply rolls through it. Um, he does the, the soccer ball technique like in Final Wars and just rolls through the wall, which that, that part was funny, but then... It, it's, it's one panel of Anguirus and two pages of the governor of Texas ranting and raving. And it's like, do you really think this is what we want to see? I mean, honestly? Later we get introduced to a very thinly veiled uh, spoof of uh, Lady Gaga named Girly Yaya, who starts screaming for monster rights and dresses in a Godzilla costume at a, the Video Music Awards. And again, me telling you this, it sounds funny. On the page, you roll your eyes at it because it is ridiculous. And not ridiculous like Son of Godzilla ridiculous, where it's ridiculous but fun. This is ridiculous because it's like, it's a Godzilla comic book. You can do anything you want, and this is what you're choosing to fill up pages with. 
So I, I really have to question that choice. And then the monsters themselves, the monsters themselves are portrayed very nicely. I have to admit, Powell and Marsh have gotten them down. Uh, you know, the way that they're, they're shown is, is good. But the problem is, first off, they're not given that much to do. You know, they, they kind of stomp around. And, you know, there's only so much stomping around you can show when you're, you have to rush back to make fun of Jersey Shore, uh, you know, uh, for, for three pages. But when the monsters actually interact with each other, it's almost as if Powell and Marsh don't want to show it to us. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Godzilla and Anguirus run into each other in, in, in Hollywood, just outside of Hollywood. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, Goji and, and Anguirus are going to get it on, you know? No, we get about, like, two pages, if that, of Godzilla and Anguirus. And then the fight's over, and then it's back to some political stuff again. And the U.S. Uh, Army attempting to poison uh, Anguirus by dropping this poison gas on him, that he simply, the gas hangs real low, and Anguirus stands up so that it goes, you know, he's breathing the fresh air, and it kills all the remaining people in Los Angeles. It's like, <sighs> I get it. I get what you're doing. Please stop. And I, I don't mean to sound like your typical angry podcast jerk off here, but it's like, come on. Come on. Really? And now I sound like The Miz. I'm surprised The Miz hasn't shown up in this, to be completely honest with you. Then, in number six, we get the uh, a fight between Godzilla and Mechagodzilla. And, Mech, it, again, it's a two-page spread before uh, the MG gets shot in the back of the head with Godzilla's beam and then goes, its logic circuit's fried, it immediately decides to fly off and destroy Atlanta for some reason mainly because they had set up this whole thing that, oh, the South was being super hospitable because it was the only place that hadn't been ravaged by monsters, so all the refugees were going to the South, and now they're destroying Atlanta. It's like, this might have some weight to it if you didn't introduce the concept of Mechagodzilla and then have him built and deployed, like, ten pages previous. If, if there had been some mentioning of Mechagodzilla earlier, maybe... There might have been some, some gravitas to this, but there's no gravitas because that's the point. The point is to throw as much ridiculous stuff at you over and over and over every single issue because, I'm, because I don't know. I really don't know the answer to that. And that's very frustrating to me as a Godzilla fan to get this book that's supposed to be the be-all, end-all, and to get lots of very casual Godzilla fans going ape-spit for it when you look at it, it's like there's nothing here. There's nothing here of quality. The art, again, Phil Hester's art looks great. Victor Santos's art is a little too quirky, a little too cartoony, but again, I can deal with it. I've often said that when it comes to comics, if the writing is good, I can deal with an artist that I'm not thrilled with. Um, little aside, one of uh, an era in Iron Man... Iron Man being my favorite comic book character, and, and I'm within spitting distance of having a full run of Iron Man, there was an uh, artist who came on in the late 90s, early 2000s, somewhere around there, whose name was and I'm go uh, Karen Grant, that's his name. And um, Karen Grant had this almost graffiti-style artwork. I mean, it was just, you know, bold and... and uh, Big arms and big, you know, big bodies and all this, and it really it looked like it looked like street graffiti, and I was like, oh, this is terrible the first time I saw it. But I started, I, I hung with it. I was like, you know what? I can dig this. I can dig the art because 
even though it's not, you know, what you'd normally expect for this story, I can dig it because visually it's interesting and and the story is still good. Here, it's it's almost like the opposite. I like the art, but I cannot tolerate this story. I can't tolerate, you know, a my Godzilla comic. Six issues of my Godzilla comic having maybe 10% monsters and 50% political satire. And with the other uh, remainder being thinly veiled attempts at telling a story like The Walking Dead with, uh, you know, we get that introduced in the last issue where we've got a survivor on his, you know, on the road with this little girl and he's got to protect her from all the the other surviving uh, humans who are all turning to... (coughs) Excuse me you know, turning into pirates and raiders and things of that nature. It's just not what I want to read in a Godzilla comic. And number six is my final issue of this uh, series. I am no longer ordering it. Now, evidently, a new creative team is coming on board in November's issue, which is number nine, I want to say. And uh, the solicits seem to suggest that there's a cataclysm of some kind in number eight and that a new story will be beginning. beginning. I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to wait and see and see what I can, you know, read previews and, and reviews and stuff, and maybe I'll get it in trade paperback. But I am not buying this series anymore. It's been too, fr- especially at $3.99 a throw. And I understand I get a discount because I order from uh, Discount Comic Book Service, which is DCBService.com, which is probably um, the best online mail order comics retailer I have found. And they do a great job and give us great discounts, but. I can't justify this price point. I can't justify this price point for a book that I don't like. And this is clearly a book I don't like. So uh, my recommendation would be to skip Kingdom of Monsters and take a look at some of the other Godzilla stuff IDW is putting out. Right now they are publishing a miniseries called uh, Gangsters and and Goliath. And this series is very good. It's um, up to number three. It's a five-issue series, so once this finishes up, I will definitely be talking about Gangsters and Goliaths here on the show. Now, this book, this is a Godzilla comic book. This is not some ridiculous satire book that's trying to be modernist and ends up just being uh, boneheaded. Um, if, King, if Kingdom of Monsters had been using the story that's used in Gangsters vs. Goliath, we would have a much different episode of this podcast right now, I can tell you what. Uh, because this is a really solid story that I'm really digging. But uh, I will cover that in a few months when that uh, series is done. And they're also, just on the solicits this month, is a new series called Godzilla Legends, I believe. And again, it's another miniseries. So I think this might be a case where, um, you know, just I'm not going to even be concerned with the ongoing series, except maybe look at the cool covers and stuff. Uh, but the miniseries I'll be keep an eye out for because it looks like these are some neat side stories and some neat alternate universe stories. So definitely uh, more interest in that than in Kingdom of Monsters right now. So sorry, IDW, you've lost my money for Kingdom of Monsters, but you're going to get my money for the miniseries right now. So um, keep that in mind. Interesting note, just wanted to throw this out there. This The timing was very odd with Kingdom of Monsters because... Um, when it came out, was right around the time of the tsunami in Japan. So the IDW has very cool, uh, coolly put out a uh, a poster book, essentially, um, as a as a tribute to uh, and relief effort for the Japanese tsunami. 
Uh, Kingdom of Monsters number one had about a hundred covers, and I'm not making that up. Now the reason for this is I want to say there were four standard variant covers. You know, there was the the I think there were one to like 25% each variant. Then there was the Godzilla Stomping the Comic Shop variant, which is the one I have. I want to say it was like the top 100 retailers or something who ordered the most copies of Kingdom of Monsters number one were basically drawn onto a cover where Godzilla was stomping their store, and then their name was put on the marquee, and everybody was fleeing from the inside. Um, so the one I've got actually says DCBS on it, like DCBS has a brick-and-mortar store, which uh, is kind of amusing. It's a, it's a fun cover just to see him stomping the comic book shop. Um, you know, it makes for a good gag on a Godzilla comic book. Uh, that's actually um, my favorite of all the covers, all the regular covers, is um, Godzilla stomping DCBS. It just cracks me up. Uh, but they did, like I said, they put out a collection of all of the covers to number one as a, as a uh, fundraiser book, and that was very cool on IDW's part. And you go to idwpublishing.com, you can find out some more information about that. Um, but beyond that, like I said, my recommendation, avoid Kingdom of Monsters. Check out God's, um, uh, Gangsters and Goliaths, which we'll talk about in a few months. And sorry, IDW, you, may, you, you know, you got my attention by putting Godzilla back in comics, but you're going to have to put out a better product than this if you really want to keep getting my money. So uh, we are going to take a quick break. We'll come back out and finish out the show. Hey, everybody. My name is Michael Bailey, and this is the trailer with a truly epic ending to my new show about Batman, appropriately titled Bailey's Batman Podcast. Bailey's Batman Podcast is a weekly program that looks at a month in the life of the Dark Knight Detective, starting with the books bearing a March 1983 cover date, which is where my solid run of the characters' comics begins, and moving forward until, well, at least until the books that came out in 2005, because that's where the solid run ends. Each week, I will give you a full synopsis and review of every major ongoing Batman title, with brief stops along the way to look at the important specials, miniseries, one-shots, and Elseworld stories, just to keep things interesting. I'll also be telling you what other books Batman appeared in that month, as well as what was going on elsewhere in the DCU. It is going to be all Batman, all the time, as I look at over 20 years of the character's history. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the epic ending to this trailer. You ready? The first appearance of Jason Todd. Death in the family. Nightfall. Epic. No man's land. Do you have chills yet? All of that and more will be covered on Bailey's Batman Podcast. Every Tuesday at baileysbatmanpodcast.com. All right, we are back here on the Earth Destruction Directive. I have in my hands, not an email, but actually a comment on the Earth Destruction Directive blog. Uh, commenter J.R. Scherer. Scherer? I'm sorry, I'm butchering your name. I know how that feels. The last name, Giaconetti. My last name gets butchered all the time. But J.R. says, Loving the show and looking forward to hearing your thoughts on IDW's current Godzilla comic book series, which we just heard. Any plans to visit Marvel series from the 70s or the 90s Dark Horse Godzilla comics as well? 
And JR, yeah, um, I'm, I'm in the process of kind of gathering that up. I didn't have the greatest access to comics all through the 90s. Um, this was back in the days before I was really able to do mail order like I do now. And comic shops where I live tended to be <laughs> here today, gone tomorrow sort of propositions. So I've got um, some Godzilla stuff from Marvel and some Godzilla stuff from DC. I'd really just like to get the Godzilla Essential for Marvel, and that'll just take care of that out of hand. And uh, I've got some Dark Horse stuff, too. That um, I think I might have said DC a minute ago. I meant Dark Horse. My bad. Uh, but definitely going to be covering uh, some Marvel and Dark Horse Godzilla comics. Um, one of my favorites is the Godzilla Color Special, uh, which Dark Horse put out. And it had art by Art Adams, and that was just tremendous. That's, uh, I think, maybe my favorite Godzilla comic of all time. So I will definitely be covering Marvel and Dark Horse uh, Godzilla comics. JR continues... Also, the first time I saw Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster, it was actually called Godzilla vs. the Bionic Monster. Looks like some prints must have carried that name before Universal stepped in. I saw it in the early 80s at a local library, where they would often screen old monster movies for kids on Saturday afternoons. Good times. And J.R. agreed, good times indeed. I don't think my local library growing up in uh, the small town of Brewster, New York, ever did anything like that, but this was a this was a teensy tiny little library, but I have a lot of fond memories of watching uh, Godzilla and Gamera movies on Channel 11, WPIX, and WOR, Channel 9, uh, growing up in New York, uh, watching them on Saturday afternoons after the cartoons were done, and on Sunday afternoons sometimes uh, when football wasn't being played. Uh, so I got a lot of fond memories of that too, and, and one of the great joys of doing this show is watching all these movies again, because even though I've watched them uh, time and time again as I've been growing up, it gets me thinking about the earliest times that I watched them. I mean, some of these films, um, Geeter the Three-Headed Monster, Godzilla 1985, I watched these movies over and over and over as a kid, so the ones that I saw a lot as a kid bring me back to that time in my life, whereas some of the films I got later, like Godzilla vs. the Cosmic Monster, bring me back to, say, you know, middle school you know, uh, or that kind of per, uh, period in my life. So uh, it's definitely been a flashback doing, doing episodes of this show. And, uh, and then I compare that to an episode like this one where it's something totally modern and it's in the moment right now, you know. So uh, thank you very much for your comment, uh, JR, and keep them coming. Uh, if you want to uh, get, yeah, if you want to be on the show, please send an email to earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com or like JR, you can go to our website, earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com, and leave a comment. Uh, you can also now follow me on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is ljacone, that's L-J-A-C-O-N-E, and uh, it'll get all of my ridiculous 140-character musings, including those related to the Earth Destruction Directive podcast. And uh, just send me a message on, on the Twitter, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll respond back to you. I'm still getting used to how the... Uh, this twittering stuff works. I sent well, I sent a, a message to my my good buddy and stand-up comic and professional wrestler Bob Hansen out in San Diego, and I said oh, I'm a twit like you now. So uh, I'm clearly not uh, the most modern, up-to-date, <clears throat> gadget-laden individual. Um, okay, so next time on Earth Destruction Directive, I said at the top of this episode that we were going to be doing something in a little bit of a different direction from what we normally had been doing. Well, we're taking that even further this time, because the next episode we're going to be talking about 
The Inhumanoids. And if you're my age, if you were born in the 80s like I was, then you probably remember The Inhumanoids, which was a Hasbro toy line and uh, short-lived cartoon series that featured, you guessed it, giant monsters. Now, the entire series is available on YouTube. I am thinking I'm going to just watch the first five, which can form uh, uh, basically the pilot movie. A lot of these uh, animated shows in the 80s had that five-part miniseries to launch it, and Humanoids was no different. So we're going to be watching The Evil That Lies Within, which is the name of the five-part miniseries, and we're going to be talking a little bit about the line in general, a little bit about that, uh, that mini, and um, hope and have a lot of fun. I, I recently had a chance to rewatch these, and oh my goodness, this is a fun show, and I've got some of the toys that... Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them, too. So, until then, send us an email, give us a comment, give me a shout-out on Twitter, um, and watch some Inhumanoids on YouTube if you'd like. Uh, if you want to, actually, if you want to watch uh, the show and then send in comments about it, that'd be great, because then I could read your comments on the show that we're talking about it. So, uh, like I said, remember, you always check us out at earthdestructiondirective.blogspot.com, email us at earthdestructiondirective at yahoo.com, and until the next time... Keep them stomping. Well, it's big and terrible. More frightening than I ever thought possible.